Welcome to Sunburnt Country Music, interviews with Australian country music artists. My name is Sophie and I have been interviewing Australian country music artists for over a decade and I still love it. I love their stories, I love their insights and I love their music. So I hope you enjoy hearing from them on this podcast. Copperline are a four-piece band from Sydney and the Blue Mountains who released their second album, Borrowed, Broken and Blue, last year. One of the songs from that album, Lucinda, has been streamed over 150,000 times on Spotify alone. Their latest single is Gabrielle, and I'm going to talk to singer and songwriter Brad Christmas about it. Hi, Brad. Hey, Sophie. How are you going? I'm very well, thank you. I'm having a great time listening to your album. And the last time we spoke was about Lucinda, so it's really great to see it get that much recognition with listeners but the band's also had some recognition from other places so even though the Tamworth Country Music Festival was a few months ago I'm going to start with that as Copperline found themselves as finalists for awards in the International Songwriting Competition, the Tamworth Songwriters Association and the Australian Songwriters Association so that must have been lovely. Yeah yeah it's nice I mean I guess it's awards aren't necessarily why we write songs, but it's kind of nice that, you know, because they're generally judged by your peers. So mm. it's nice to know that our peers are kind of recognising what we're doing and, you know, they're all just those little little things that keep you going on your creative journey, you know, that, that they're kind of, I guess they're little signposts that suggest you might be on the right track. <laughs> Probably also kept you quite busy during the festival because you were playing gigs as well. So how was that festival all round for you? It was it was great. It was crazy. We ended up playing, I think, fifteen gigs in ten days. We um, it sort of yeah got <laughs> got pretty wild, um, but it was really good. We did some of the, some things for the first time. We got to play on the main stage in Toyota Park mm-hmm. first time um, as part of a, a kind of showcase night there, which was an absolute buzz. Playing on that big stage in the park was totally full, you know, a couple of thousand people in the park. Yeah. So that was a buzz and um, got to play in the Tamworth, at the Tamworth Hotel on the Kevin Bennett stage in front of Kevin Bennett himself. So that was, um, that was pretty um, thrilling and intimidating at the same time. <laughs> um, but, yeah, it was great. It really, like, I mean, pre-COVID Tamworth was a real kind of, you know, set you up for the year. You know, mm. it's kind of the first thing a lot of people do in January. And because you're meeting artists and venue owners and promoters from all over the country, you can kind of really set up the year. And that was kind of interrupted with COVID a bit, you know. It sort of hasn't been quite what it usually is. But this felt like the first one where it was like, yeah, but we really kick-started the year again. Yeah, that's an interesting perspective on the festival. Um, and I hadn't thought of it like that. But, uh, but I know everyone comes there and you all make connections and all that sort of thing. But, yes, from the point of view of booking gigs for the rest of the year, it is really handy. Yeah, absolutely. And and it's good because, you know, you've got people coming from all over the country. So you, I, I think there's still no substitute from making face-to-face connections with people. You know, you can ring a million people in Melbourne, but there's nothing like going and seeing someone's gig, going having a drink with them and, you know, Subsequently, we're heading down to Melbourne um, next weekend uh, to play with some friends who we met in Tamworth a couple of years ago. So, you know, all that kind of stuff happens and you build connections and you build a little kind of musical family that, you know, starts to spread out from your little patch, you know. From Mm. us, kind of we made friends in Newcastle and now we've got a big sort of country music family in Melbourne that we're kind of going down a fair bit. So, yeah, it's really good for that. You said 15 gigs in 10 days. Now, I think that's 
feasible or not more feasible when it's just someone with one person with a guitar you've got four band members <laughs> Did, are you the one who has to wrangle everyone to make sure you all turn up for those 15 gigs in 10 days yeah I am <laughs> and it was uh yeah we're starting to wear pretty thin by about day nine <laughs> but um yeah no it was quite a logistical feat because quite a few days we had multiple gigs and sometimes those gigs were dangerously close to each other. So it was kind of like a couple of times it felt like we were doing a bank heist and, you know, someone would turn up in the van and it was like a getaway. You know, we'd rush out of a venue, throw all the gear in the back, you know, tear up the road in a cloud of smoke to get to the next venue. <laughs> so it was, um, not, sorry, go on. Yeah, no, no, it was quite a, it was quite a logistical feat. Because <laughs> it's, for anyone who hasn't been, it's not, it's not a festival in a paddock, so it's not like you're just walking from one stage to the next. You actually are manoeuvring around a town that has road closures in certain parts. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. And sometimes you're not aware of those road closures till you <laughs> literally <laughs> drive up to a roadblock. <laughs> now, the second album, Borrowed, Broken and Blue, was released in August last year. It was created amidst pandemic disruptions, from what I understand. There were multiple studio sessions and Zoom writing sessions. How long did it take you to pull it all together? Um, well, I guess, I mean, it kind of came about because we were mid tour when that first COVID lockdown happened. So we, we pretty quickly decided we didn't want to dwell on the negatives too much. So we thought, well, if we can't be playing out playing, we may as well be writing. So Mm. I guess the writing process started during that first lockdown in, in 2020, although we had, we did have some material kind of worked out before that um we got into the studio in early 2021 for the first time um we worked again on this record with Shane Nicholson um who we really we really loved working with him on our first album we're really happy with the results so he came up for a couple of days to our studio in the Blue Mountains to work with us um we finished that up uh, with the intention of pretty soon after that uh, going in up to his studio on the Central Coast to finish off some stuff mm-hmm. and we're back in lockdown. So, um, But I guess the upside of that was we had a little bit more time to sit back and reflect on what we'd done to that point. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and that happened again. I think we, we got a little... Um, we got we finished off the recording and then there was some more COVID sort of disruption. So mm-hmm. we kind of had the final recordings, but we had longer than we usually would to, you know, I like to think, you know, look at things in detail. It might have been overanalyzing on occasion. Mm-hmm. Um, um, but we had a little bit of extra time to reflect and, and I think get things right. And also kind of having that break between the two sessions, um, gave us an opportunity to really think about what the songs might have been missing and and to make that second recording session even more kind of meaningful. Mm-hmm. Um, now, getting Shane to come to your studio in the Blue Mountains strikes me a bit like the mountain coming to Muhammad because I think he always <laughs> tends to work out of his studio. So well done. But also um, uh, it seems that he does get a lot of repeat business as a producer. So what what do you really like most about working with him? I love the way I, th- I think a lot of producers, especially now, have a kind of sound, and mm. I, w- I don't know how to put this tactfully. It's kind of like they 
that sound gets layered on top of the, whatever their act they're working with. They have a vision. But I think better than anyone, certainly in Australia, I think Shane's really good at listening to a band, you know, and we do he's, we do pre-production with him where he kind of just sits and listens and talks to us about what we want to achieve and then sort of captures that, you know. Mm. He's got almost like a kind of field recordist kind of capturing right. the sound. So I, I just think he's got a really good ear for listening to the unique qualities that make up a band mm -hmm. you know rather than trying to shape them or perfect them out he's he's got a real ear for that and he also I think more than a lot of producers now he knows how to leave some of the kind of human touches you know and the you know some people might call them imperfections but I think they're the things that make a record unique and give a band a unique sound uh, you know you can you can make everything sound perfect, but then everything starts to sound a little bit the same. So, mm -hmm. yeah, those those are the things that I really like about working with him. I, I I can't think of anyone in Australia that does that to the same extent that he does. Now, um, some of this album was written over Zoom. Would you ever write over Zoom again? Or do you think that's it? Pandemic's cured me of wanting to write on Zoom. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't choose it. <laughs> I wouldn't choose it as the ideal thing. We're, we're a pretty sort of traditional band, I guess, in that way. We, um, we just kind of like being in a room together. And I just think there's something you can't replicate with just being in the room with the physical sound and being able to kind of stop and go over things in real time and say, well, let's try it like this, let's try it like that. You know, you can't, you can sort of play things to each other over Zoom, but you can't play together, you know, mm -hmm. there's too much latency and crappy sound <laughs> to, um, uh, to make for it to work on Zoom. So, look, if, if you've got no option, there's definitely productive stuff you can be doing on Zoom, but my preference is always going to be sitting in a room. And that's where, like, rehearsing, writing, um, but also recording, you know. I, I mean, the technology is great that we can bounce it back and forth, but sometimes it's a bit of a false economy, I think. Like, that kind of thing where if you're, you're in the studio with the producer, with everybody, and you just get an idea, you can just give it a go. And it's five minutes of your day if it doesn't work. But if that happens online with someone who's in, a, in the States, you know, mm -hmm. It takes 24, 48 hours to realise it was a total waste of time. Yeah, <laughs> or, right. <laughs> or it's brilliant and you need to change the whole direction of the song, you know. Mm, got it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's not as though writing on Zoom actually dented the quality of the songs on this album because they are tightly constructed. Like these are, it's it's like all these, partly what I find so interesting about the album is it's actually, there are a few different uh, sounds, lyrical forms, you know, constructions of songs on there. So it's not like you were going for a copper line sound. So it suggests to me that you were interested in telling these individual stories in these songs and then putting them together to make a bigger story on the album. Yeah, absolutely. I th I think we've all we've all come from really kind of diverse musical backgrounds, and you know, we we like kind of exploring new territories. So. Yeah, we, we don't really think in terms of where's this album going. We we sort of we work song by song and just think, okay, how can we make this song the most interesting it can be? Yeah, right. You know, what what do we got to do to make this something unique, something that people haven't heard before? And then mm -hmm. hopefully 
you know, the songs kind of hang together. Um, I mean, we had, we certainly had more than we ended up recording for this album and some of them just didn't kind of fit in any way. Um, yeah, but I think there was, there's kind of a theme running through it, but yeah, we'd certainly go in lots of different directions with this album. Mm-hmm. I think a case in point is the new single, which is Gabrielle, because um, that is a, a bit of a different sound. From, even though there's a mixture of sounds on the album, the Copper Line sound is not as, say, heavy Southern rock as, as that album sounds, and your voice sounds quite different on it as well. So it's like you were channeling something. Um, I don't want to say primal because that's not really the right term, and that suggests as though there's no musicality whatsoever, but it's, it is a different sound. So was that the idea for it when you wrote it? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that that was it was definitely something. So the this the lyrics for this song were mostly written by Richie, our bass player, and he was, um, I guess, channeling that idea <laughs> during COVID. There was a lot of pretty bad behaviour from people in positions of power, right. you know. And he it was just, I guess, a bit of a cry of frustration for wanting to see a little bit more empathy, compassion, decency from people in positions of power. Um, and being a kind of Catholic boy, he he invoked Gabriel, the, the angel, Archangel Gabriel in this one. So, yeah, I mean, there's a definite kind of anger and frustration in the lyric that we wanted to capture sonically. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and I guess the, our last few singles have been kind of on the gentler side of... I guess our sound. So we wanted something a bit edgier, a bit grittier. Um, and it's a great example of the way Shane works. You know, he he heard us, you know, saying that that's what we wanted, but he also heard from the way we played it. Yeah. You know, so that was really good fun to work with. And I was really happy that he really kind of caught the rawness of the emotion in mm. the song and, you know, explored a sound that's pretty new to us, you know. Yeah, and for you as a singer, I imagine it was interesting to try something different because your voice is, is normally quite sweet. And, again, it's not necessarily the right word, but it's a word that comes to mind. You have this lovely vocal and this has a lot of grunt to it. It's not the way you usually sing. So for you to get into the studio and sing that, I imagine you had to channel a few things um, emotionally in order to to get that out. Yeah, totally. Um yeah, and I mean the, the end result's kind of partly performance, partly you know, producer trickery. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, but that's another thing, Shane. I really love working with Shane on vocals. He's really he kind of encourages you to play. You know, mm-hmm. like you'll you'll go and do a few takes and that are kind of solid and correct and fine. But then then he'll say, now you know, just have a bit of fun with this take. You do you know? let yourself go a bit crazy and doesn't matter if the wheels fall off at certain points or, you know, but just, just do something unexpected and crazy. So, yeah, I think that, that happened a bit with this. Um, but also, yeah, I was definitely kind of channeling the energy and the attitude of the song in the, mm-hmm. in the delivery. And have you been able to maintain that as you've taken the song on the road when it's in a live set? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. This is, I mean, one of the reasons we released this as a single, we were kind of arming and arming whether we'd sort of done enough singles from this record. Um, but I guess fans were just saying that's their favourite song, you've got to put it out. Um, yeah. And it's getting a really good reaction live. We always kind of play it pretty early in the set and it's got heaps of energy and people respond to it. So it's it's kind of 
that makes it much easier to channel that that performance from the studio when people are kind of getting into it and and responding. And given that you are playing gigs again, you're seeing people live in your audience, is it's a little bit unusual to see these actual humans in front of you after a couple of years of not seeing anyone. Yeah, totally. Yeah, I mean, the first few gigs were really strange like that. And the the big thing for me is we did a lot of shows, you know, when people were kind of half their faces hidden behind a mask, which is actually quite unnerving because mm, <laughs> you, you can't really see what sort of um, reaction they're having to the song. I mean, the eyes tell some of the story, but not a lot of it or not, mm. not the whole story. So, yeah, that was a really interesting kind of insight. It's like how much you we kind of play off people's facial reactions, you know, and when you can't see the reactions, like are they smiling, are they frowning, are they grimacing, you know, what's, <laughs> what's uh, are they into it, are they not into it? So, um yeah, that was like it was a big thing playing for people, but then an even bigger thing for me playing when we could see the reaction on people's faces. Yeah. Well, because yeah, it's a great, yeah, a great live act will react to the crowd. And you know, you're you're you might change up your set list or you're playing a new song and you want to get feedback on it. And it is really important. I think we all discovered a lot how much we missed facial expressions yeah. during the time. Yeah. Absolutely. Um now, while you were busy being Copperline, you were also being published. Uh, your adult, young adult novel, Saltwater Boy, was released in March this year, which is a fantastic achievement and congratulations. I'm interested whether publication day felt the same as an album release day. Yeah, that's a really interesting question. In my mind it did, but mm-hmm. the way it plays out was really different. Like, mm-hmm. um I mean, as you've got a lot of experience with the publishing industry, it sort of works on a very different timeline and at a different speed to music. Mm-hmm. Um, it's to be honest, it's actually been a really pleasant surprise. <laughs> it's a really pleasant contrast to music. Um, I don't know. I've just had um, there's just sort of less in in music now. As with a, as with a lot of things, there's this sense that you've got a really tiny window to mm. make a splash and you know, you put out a record and then two weeks later you're kind of like, where did that go? <laughs> where did that disappear to, you know? But with music it seems, sorry, with with writing with a book, it seems like there's a much longer kind of lifespan for the, for the book and there's less kind of frantic energy around that um, immediate release date and there's more of a kind of slow organic build over a period of time. So, yeah, I kind of like that little bit more chilled out um, approach to putting something out in the world. Yeah. Well, particularly when you're writing for children, yes, there's not the flurry at the start because children's books can have such a long life because there are always young people, basically. Yeah. So, you know, a children's book can stay in print for decades, whereas a book for adults novel can be out of print relatively quickly. So, yes, strap yourself in for the long ride there because um, the book looks fantastic. I haven't had a chance to read it yet. But I am interested in asking you about the writing process of songs relative to books. I've sometimes wondered whether writing an album is similar to writing a novel in that, you know, a novel has chapters, an album has chapters of a sort with songs. But you're the one person I could ask, Brad. What is this like, you know, one compared to the other? Yeah, they're they're quite quite different, I I think. I feel like... An album's a bit more like a collection of poetry 
I, you know, I think they're kind of really, songs are really self-contained, I think. Um, I mean, unless you're writing a concept album, I haven't done that yet. So it's kind of like little, you know, it's kind of like a, either a poetry collection or a short story collection or something with these kind of, you know, self, self-contained self little independent pieces. But yeah, I mean, the, writing the book, I mean, it's, it's kind of a novel, took a lot more sort of discipline. Um, and I think, yeah, I think you have to tolerate a little bit more writing stuff that's not not great first drafts. Like mm. I had to get comfortable that not everything I wrote was going to be brilliant this time around. That was that was sort of harder to deal with, you know. So definitely writing the book took a lot more hard work and discipline, I found anyway, um, than writing a song. Um, but, yeah, I mean, the same kind of attention to detail, I think. Mm -hmm. um, same kind of attention to language, you know, that, that was the kind of similarity of, and I guess just with, as with a song where you build it line by line, you know, a piece of writing, you kind of build it sentence by sentence and, um, yeah, and I, and I think the other thing, common thing is about sort of voice, you know, I think with both of them, the big challenge is finding the voice of a song or the voice of a, of a story or a piece of writing. Mm -hmm. And that's the struggle at the start is finding that voice. But, you know, once you kind of click in, it's, it's kind of like, you know, that's when you start to find your feet and you get momentum. Mm -hmm. that, that's the, the common thing I, I think I found across the two forms. Yeah, right. I mean, it is, it is a huge achievement to be able to write a novel and write songs, put an album out. So I, it, just to commend you, that's fantastic. It's, it's like tri pulling off like some kind of triple axle is a, something I, I, meant, I used recently. It's a metaphor or whatever to say. I said to Ashley Dallas winning um, gold guitars two years in a row, I was like a triple axle jump in ice skating. But I think this is similar. It's really hard to pull off. Um, so if people don't know about your book, they should go and find it. But we are talking about Copperline and you mentioned that you're going to Melbourne to play shows. Do you have some other gigs coming up for the rest of the year or are you just seeing what happens now that the, the album is out in the world? Um, yeah, look, we've one of the things that we, I guess, a kind of New Year's resolution we made in Tamworth was we because we haven't been able to, we wanted to try and get and play in each state and territory. Um, of the country this this calendar year. So right. um, we've managed New South Wales. Um, Victoria we're doing next weekend, playing in at the Le Mans Hotel in Brunswick next Friday, the 29th, sorry, 28th, and then the beautiful little town of El Dorado just near Wangaratta on um, Saturday the 29th. Um, then a couple of weeks later we're going to tick off the ACT. We're headed mm -hmm. to, well, we're headed to Cooma, First, in that's that's New South Wales, um, in the high country down there on Friday the twelfth of May, I believe, mm -hmm. um, and then we're headed in the next night to Queenie and to the um, tourist hotel. Mm -hmm. So then we've got three ticked off. Um, we don't have things dates locked in yet. However, we are talking to people in Queensland and South Australia about mm -hmm. playing there in the second half of the year. Um, and I'd really love to work out something in the ter Northern Territory and WA um, and maybe even Tassie. Um, so right. we do have contacts in all those places okay. um, that we're talking to. So, 
yeah, any anyone interested in any of those states will will have announcements on on our social media channels, Instagram, Facebook, on our webpage, etc. So yeah, stay posted. Yeah, fantastic. Well, if anyone's watching and they have a venue and they might like to invite you, they can contact you as well through socials and your website. Absolutely. In, in the meantime, they can listen to your album to find out just what it would be like to have you playing there because it is a fantastic album. The latest single is Gabriel and Brad Christmas. It's been great to talk to you. It's been my pleasure. Thanks so much for having me back on. Thanks for listening to the Sunburnt Country Music Podcast. For more Australian country music interviews and reviews and other things, go to sunburntcountrymusic.com or to Sunburnt Country Music on Instagram, Facebook and TikTok.